Hi, I'm Scott Olson, and I'm here with two of my partners in our tax people and organization practice, Craig O'Donnell and Julie Barron. And we wanted to talk a little bit about um, Section 162M and some of the changes that have resulted in that part of the code from tax reform. Um, Craig, I've heard you refer to the way companies should be thinking about 162M is coming in a couple different buckets. Can you tell us about those and what some of the key takeaways are? Yeah, happy to, Scott. So companies are really just starting to think about what is the long-term impact of 162M and the changes that have been enacted. And I think about it in three buckets I'm seeing clients react. The first is there are some clients are trying to grab hold of and do whatever they can to preserve deductions. They don't want to stop fighting the fight. And so I am seeing some clients try to look for ways to maybe shift income over multiple years to get more money into each year's million-dollar bucket. So if you had an executive terminating who's going to get $10 million, maybe you give her a million dollars a year over 10 years to preserve the deduction. So some people are doing that. What it's worth may not go anywhere. The second one, and this is probably the most interesting one, is in short-term incentives, companies are debating, do we still need to have pay-for-performance? Most companies clearly will continue to have pay-for-performance plans in place because it's what their shareholders want and it makes sense from a business perspective. Those things haven't changed. There are some companies out there who've publicly already announced that we're doing away with those and they're going to go to more of a barbell approach where they just have base salaries which are much higher and then longer term incentives in place. And that sort of segues to the third bucket I'm seeing companies look at which is how do we deliver the long term incentives? Should we be giving fewer options given that those aren't as easily deductible as they were before? Okay. Julie, one of the themes of 162M is this notion of the expansion of the potential number of covered executives and the um, kind of evergreen, <laughs> if you will, um, action taken on those executives. Once you're in, you're in forever. Any traps in that for the unwary, particularly with your focus on globally mobile employees and executives? Yes. Yeah, so you could have an executive who goes overseas who wouldn't normally fall into that bucket but because of some timing of some foreign tax payments or some allowances or something, they could have a significant number of allowances that fall into one tax year, and they could fall into that um, category and then be in that category forever, even though they wouldn't necessarily be one of your top executives. Um, so that is, that is a challenge to try to make sure that that timing doesn't happen. Okay, and probably requires a little bit more from an administrative perspective of you know, we got to look at a lot of different elements of pay in order to determine who those top five are in a given year. And that will need to be extended perhaps to a broader population now and tracking it forward. Um, Craig, let's shift gears a little bit. One of the things you mentioned kind of maximizing the deductions in some different ways from a forward-looking basis, but we recognize also that there are um, some transition rules in place. Do we know anything about that? And what are some of the key issues that clients should be getting ready for if, if we don't have the full answers yet? Yeah, this is where I'm spending most of my time. I'm getting five calls a day asking about the transition rules and constantly giving the answer of maybe. Maybe something fits under those rules because the answers aren't really known yet. And so just to highlight, the transition rule says that something that's a written binding contract as of November 2nd can be exempted. What is written and binding is unclear. Okay. And so companies are spending a lot of time trying to figure out where in the spectrum of risk they fall in that regard, knowing that the IRS will certainly give us some answers in the coming months. We just don't know what those answers are going to be. You know, one of the things I've also been talking to clients about is, um, and it kind of bridges the last two things we talked about, right? You've got this potentially larger number of executives that could be covered by 162M either this year or in future years. 
and you've got this written and binding contract. It's not enough to just go and do an inventory of what contractual arrangements you have with this year's top five. You really want to do an inventory of a larger number of people so that if they ultimately come into that population and there was something that was governing a supplemental retirement plan or something that was in place, you can still capture that deduction. So I think there's a number of complexities about this, um, that widening population and the transition rules, I think, that, that may have an implication there. Um, anything else um, that we're seeing? You mentioned the, the performance-based comp. Um, anything else? Does this give any benefits to, to companies in terms of, of the, the loss of the performance-based exception? I guess the one, if I'm looking for any good news, the one piece of good news might be that if I'm designing a performance-based plan, I now no longer have to care about 162M. Okay. I lost my deduction, the fight's over, now I can do whatever I want. I can give positive discretion, I don't have to have these unnatural plans of plans within plans and made up performance metrics that everybody knows people are going to meet, I can do whatever I want. I guess that's good news. Setting targets, you don't have to do it in the first 90 days. Right. You can use some some metrics that might not have been qualified under 162M, but are still very legitimate exactly. strategic metrics for determining executive compensation and links to value. So, yeah, like okay. I think performance pay is going to be more business driven and less tax code driven, right, which right. is probably what it should be. So it took us a, a little while to find something, but we found something positive. <laughs> about There's it. something in there. Well, thanks for sharing um, some of the views, uh, Craig and Julie, on, on 162M. Sounds like a lot more work to be done and a lot more to learn, but, um, but definitely some changes coming down the pipe. Thanks very much. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like further information about this topic, please email the participants whose email addresses can be found in the description of this episode.